When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those aluminum cans it comes in are recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities so they won't just end up in your local landfill like plastic bottles. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find Liquid Death re- retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com front slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com front slash film study. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, here today to talk about the offense from the Dolphins game, the much happier side of this discussion after talking about the defense uh, yesterday. If you've listened to those pods, a uh, lot to process, a lot to get over. But uh, here to join me to talk about the offense today and, and uh, you know, this more pleasant side is Sarah Ellison. Sarah, how are you doing? 
I'm good. I'm good. Uh, even though it's pleasant, you know, Ken, I'm definitely learning that nothing is pleasant after a loss, especially a, a big epic collapse like that one. So um, it's funny because when I went back to review the state, maybe you went through it too. I just kept wanting like, I'm just watching the offense and it's just doing so well. And, and I'm like, is there somehow in watching this that, you know, time can change and there's like a different ending, you know, because as I'm breaking down the tape, you're just like, wow, that's great. Wow. That's great. Wow. That's great. And you know, all this. And then obviously there's some, some things we can get to that wasn't great. Um, but I just wanted so badly to turn it off after the third quarter and be like, yep, that was it, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, but couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it was difficult to watch as it went on. And, and I really thought the Ravens only needed three more points to win the game. Of course, when they got those three points, I didn't think that was going to be enough, but uh, I really thought they, they really only needed three points from uh, fairly early in that third quarter to, to, to get it won. Uh, any number of, of several plays, the, the Williams third interception, I think would have sealed the game. Uh, you know, if they had gotten the first down on fourth and one with Lamar, I think that would have sealed the game just about. It would have been very close to close to doing it if they had. Yeah, I think both of those plays, obviously the fumble uh, mm-hmm. that ended up being a 14 point swing. You already named likely um, many of the short yardage situations, which I think we should attack if we've got the time uh, yeah. to, to focus on, on that theme. Um, if, you know, one or two of those are 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 converted. Yeah. There were lots and lots of opportunities, obviously on the defensive side, but since we're talking offensive, yeah, those were ones on the offense that could have helped. All right. Outstanding. And, uh, Twitter handle and, and your other show. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter as always. So, uh, at SG Ellison and Ken, as you know, Bobby Trossett and I started a new podcast. Um, it's the Ravens vault and, um, you know, it's meant to be a daily podcast, uh, obviously very different from yours, which dives in much more deeper. Uh, and I'll dive in deeper with you today, much, much deeper than what we do. We tech more, you know, kind of news and themes and things like that. So I'm just happy to be a part of, you know, like this Ravens podcast family. I feel like everybody's been so great and supportive. And um, I'm just surprised. I thought it would be, I thought people might react to us more competitively. And instead, everybody's embraced us and, you know, having us on their shows and, vice versa. And, you know, hopefully we can have you on ours, Ken. And it's just been, it's just been great to join, you know, the Ravens podcast family. All right. Great to hear. Uh, let's get back to the game then. Uh, a difficult loss to swallow, obviously. Um, a little bit of an inefficient Ravens offense. And what I mean by that is very barbelled results. So they ran, they ran for 6.2 yards per play. Nothing wrong with that. You win a lot of football games rushing for 6.2 yards per play. But when it's, you know, 79 and a bunch of zeros, um, that will tend to not be nearly as efficient in terms of grinding out the first downs that that, that can help you win football games. And, and this was a rare game where had they moved their yards around, they could have gotten a much more efficient, better result. Uh, than uh, than what happened. Well, it, yeah, it's interesting because obviously the big play skew things. Um, I was just looking at a chart this morning on offensive efficiency, both mm-hmm. on designed runs and dropbacks. And in the left upper quadrant, yes. that's where you're extremely efficient passing. But the further left you go, you're extremely inefficient running. The Ravens are number two in the NFL, only behind the Buffalo Bills in pass efficiency. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they're right there. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Second to last. <laughs> is it second to last? Well, it looks like I think so. third to last. Um, Take right the there. For it. Yeah, third to last in, in run efficiency. And, and you didn't need a chart to know that, right? Coming out of this game. You didn't no. need it uh, other than Lamar's, you know, 79 yard run. Uh, the run game was really doing very little to nothing to negative yardage. Um, and obviously that needs to be be picked. So I just wanted to be more exact in like that passing efficiency um, just off the charts because of those big plays. Right. And and there are some reasons for that. I think we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, uh, the Dolphins obviously did some things to try and replicate what happened last year at Miami. And the Ravens had the answer for that. So one of the things, we'll talk about this a little more in detail, but Greg Roman really deserves a lot of credit for what he did in this game in terms of having the Ravens prepared to face the all-out blitz. And uh, and the Dolphins tried it a few times, and they got shivved for it. So that was a, a nice uh, response for it uh, that, that they had ready to go for this game anyway. Felt very good about that preparation. For sure. And, you know, there are a lot of people that every game, especially in losses, are going to call for Greg Roman's, you know, uh, job. And to me, this is not the game to do that. Um, to me, there were some things which we'll get into that I think Roman could have done better um, for sure. Um, and at the same time, though, similar to Lamar Jackson, where I feel like Lamar Jackson is one of the biggest reasons why the Ravens were dominating that game at first and were even in it at the end. And yet he had one or two things, right, that you would want to take back. We'll get into Lamar. And but but largely you look at Lamar and you're like, wow, he's a big reason why the Ravens put up uh, 31 points because seven of them was was the touchdown kickoff return. Uh, but to me, when I look at it, I put Greg Roman in that similar light as I do Lamar, where it's like, wow, he really had an answer. There was way more creativity than people are giving him credit for, although there was one place where I thought he was stubborn. Um, and so while I think that Roman could have called a better game. I still put it in that Lamar category where overall I thought Roman had a great game, but have some things to to talk about for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, agree a hundred percent with that. Let's move on to Lamar's game because one of the things that was really good about this, and I love this whenever I see this, whenever we get to the ballpark, I don't, I don't really like a lot of direct sunlight. I'm a, I'm kind of a late night guy and I don't like to, to be out in the sun for very long, burn very easily. But this is, this is one case where if we see great weather and there's low wind, that is perfect Lamar weather. You don't want a wet football with Lamar. It just messes things up. Uh, but when he's got, you know, weather that, that uh, is, is clear and not windy, that's perfect. And didn't have the interference from it. Uh, we mentioned the, the, the uh, Dolphins uh, cover zero uh, blitzes that they did last year. So last year they ran 40, 4-0 cover zero blitzes during that game at Miami. Just ridiculous in terms of the Ravens not developing an answer for that in game. But this time uh, they, they ran, they rushed seven three times. Okay, twice they rushed seven. Once they rushed 10 at the on the goal line play, the touchdown to Andrews, which was just ridiculous. Obviously, there must have been a blown assignment in there because the Ravens had three guys in the pattern and the Dolphins rushed 10. And that's why Andrews was so, so open. But the three seven-yard plays were the one-yard TD to Andrews, a 17-yard play, and a 75-yard touchdown to Bateman. That's answering the cover zero blitz. That is totally answering it. And there was, uh, and again, on, on some of those, I would give credit to, to Roman, uh, not taking it away from the players at all. Um, but, but I want to specific, this is for Lamar and not Roman. The, 
it was it wasn't the big touchdown play, but it was uh, on the, one of the early downs, and Lamar saw that there was going to be a corner blitz, and and that Xavier Howard would come off of Bateman, and then the safety would get over there. Lamar clearly saw it. He goes back up to the line, makes a few calls, mm-hmm. calls out a few things, comes back, and sure enough, here comes Xavier Howard on the blitz, and the safety just didn't get there soon enough. And Lamar did an easy dump to Bateman. Uh, Bateman had an easy first down, but then he, with his moves, got even more yards after the catch um, and then got more yards on top of the first. But that was great recognition from Lamar. Mm-hmm. Great recognition, you know, looking at, learning from that a year later, coming back and being like, all right, you guys think you have figured me out for what, the 20th time? All right, here we go. And that was Lamar. Not even Roman, Lamar in that situation, there are others where he just seemed so in command and being able to read what the Dolphins were going to do. And so many times he went up to the line and, you know, called things and checked things. And and that one was just a, a really good example of that. I thought he was very good against cover zero. Yeah, that, that's a good point in that play in particular. I, I, and there was some of that with Lamar moving around and and uh, and making checks or calls or or faking it. Maybe we don't really know. Sure. But uh, but he they were at the line of scrimmage a little quicker this week. That was a big problem against the Jets. Is they were very late to the line of scrimmage, and uh, and things were were moving uh, at a very slow pace. But they were better this week. And, uh, and that was something I thought was positive. They ended up still with one delay of game call, but otherwise were not even penalized on offense or defense the entire game. So that was a, you know, if you're looking at things to really like, the offensive line has not been penalized now in two games, which is near the top of my list. And, and for the uh, Ravens to get to the line of scrimmage so they could react to what was happening with cover zero. And, you know, my guess would be for a game like this, for an install like this, Roman has basically said, look, we're going to have, one play out of every formation that we can check to that beats cover zero. So you want to call it, just call Geronimo or whatever at the line of scrimmage and, and you know, the, the player will know. But Bateman certainly understood exactly what his role was on the 75-yard TD in terms of, of uh, getting open. Uh, the ball hit him in stride so perfectly. I mean, it's a very well-thrown ball by Lamar, even though it's an easy, quote-unquote, pitch-and-catch throw. Uh, it, it, was, it was a fantastic in-stride throw that allowed Bateman then to use his speed to uh, to beat the defenders and get all that yak. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, the 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 quick decision making was excellent because Lamar sometimes will hold on to the ball and try to make it, you know, a big big play happen. So I really appreciated the the quick decision making. And on that play in particular, you're right, it has to be in stride. It mm-hmm. has to be in stride for 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 Bateman to be able to take off. But there's a couple of things. I mean, this play was so good on so many levels. Uh, not just from Lamar, uh, but including Lamar. So first of all, I liked the play design by Greg Roman. He, uh, over the off season, every time somebody asked me like, what's going to be the key to beating cover zero? I kept saying Bateman. Bateman's the guy. Get him on -on one-on-one situations because he has all the traits. He has all the skills to beat guys one-on-one. You want to take him. You don't want to give him the respect and you just want to do it one-on-one. And even if it's Xavier Howard, who's a three-time pro-, pro bowler, including last year. Man, what a statement that was from Bateman having the game he had against Xavier Howard, who was on him for pretty much the whole day. And and so his release, Bateman's release on that play was gorgeous. The way he set up Xavier Howard and, and you know, made it look like he was going 
to the outside. And as soon as Howard's hips flip to, to, to as if it's going to be an outside route, that is when Bateman sticks it and violently has a crossover. I just think of the NBA with, with, with point guards that have crossovers that break people's ankles. Like Xavier Howard, his, his ankles weren't broken, but he did stumble a bit. And, and as soon as, and then, so that's all got to be in sync with your quarterback, right? That as soon as you hit that and you take off, Xavier's going to come back and Lamar to hit him. And then on top of it, we know, and this is good within context of, of Hollywood Brown, when he left, he's like, well, can the Ravens stretch the field? Do they have the speed? Mm-hmm. Well, that was the number two fastest play of all ball carriers in the NFL through week two was this play by Bateman. So he put on his wheels and showed he's got speed. Yeah, it's important to note that's maximum speed during the during the during the rush. There were some the Ravens had three guys on the list for max speed. Duvernay was number one on the hundred yard touchdown return. And by the way, max speed is always going to occur during long plays because you you get to you get to actually get rev up to fourth gear. So I I I, I asked the AWS people about this and and they haven't answered my second question, but they did answer my first that it's max max speed. The second question is over what interval? So is that the max one half second, one tenth of a second, one second speed? And I don't know the answer to that one yet, but I'm going to get it. I'm not giving I up. I would like to hear the answer once yeah. you do get it. Having said that, whatever method they're using, they also use with they also use with Hollywood. And in Hollywood's whole three yeah. years or so, his his max speed did not hit Bateman's max speed. And so that's not to put down Hollywood. That's just to say the Ravens still have speed to stretch the field. And um, so, so, so I want to give credit to Bateman on that. I want to give credit to Lamar for making a quick decision and hitting him in stride. And I want to give credit to the offensive line who had good press pass protection. And then finally, I want to give credit big time to Greg Roman because the way he set that up, he again had Bateman one-on-one, which is what I've been saying all off season to beat the cover zero. Then the one safety that does look, I mean, he's not back back, but there's only one other safety that could possibly there's no other safety out. on that play. Well, he came short up. That's what I'm saying. Like it yeah. was designed to where he had Roman had Duvernay motioning away from Bateman. So it took another defender. And then he had Mark Andrews on the other side running a route and the safety had a guard, Mark Andrews. So, so the okay. play design was set up for Bateman to be in that one, one, one-on-one situation perfectly by Roman. Yeah, four four guys at seven yards is about what they had in terms of off coverage, and they they showed that a number of times in this game, uh, and and it really I'm I'm glad the Ravens were able to burn it because and it, we were at that game in Miami last year and watching them set up the exact same way play after play after play after play with those forty cover zero blitzes, and Lamar just was not able to or Roman was not able to take advantage of it in this way. Your earlier comments about Bateman being able to stick the route at the at the. Uh, uh, really didn't even get to the top of the stem, but he did definitely make a move. Um, it, it's a, it's a, uh, it's Bateman's specialty. It's what he's. I think of him as being really good at. Not particularly great hands. Had some drops in college, certainly, and and at the NFL level, we've seen some. Um, but but in, but in terms of his uh, ability to make somebody wiggle and make somebody miss at the top of the route, that's that's what he does very well. And that was a, a, a good example of that. I agree. Hey, Ken, toss- you had you had the numbers. You said it was forty. 40- 40 cover zero? 40 cover zeros. 40, Do you 40. have the numbers for this game? Well, they had three. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you what I've got. They have three rushes with seven men. Okay. Now, when they rush six, that could be a cover zero in some instances, because if you have five wide, 
you can that can be a, a, a cover zero. Otherwise, it, it really can't be on the same way. But they rushed six three times. Uh, they rushed five 12 more times. So they were trying to rush even when they did. Oh, and let me, let me point this out. Some of those fives are really going to be cover zeros as well, is because that, those are those occasionally had interior guys dropping to cover in zone, so they're lined up in a cover zero look, even though they don't bring it. Okay, so they 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 did a lot of that. In fact, in the game at Miami last year, I've made this comment many times. So people on the show almost know by heart what I'm about to say. But Adam Butler, who's a nose tackle for the Dolphins last year, um, dropped the cover 18 times. In I game. saw that. I yeah. saw that note from you last year. That is bananas. Remember yes, when absurd. Michael Pearson week one dropped back like twice? twice. Yeah. We're like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, what else do I have about here? 23 rushes of five plus among 34. So they still use a 68% blitz rate. I air quoting that because I don't really like that terminology for the blitz, but they used a a 68% uh, rush. They did a lot of deception along with that in terms of numbers dropped. Um, The four man rushes, uh, the Ravens gained 88 on those eight. So 11 yards per play on that. Nothing wrong with that, of course. Uh, Although I'm not even sure if that was as high it was right around as high as what Lamar was delivering the entire game. Maybe a little bit lower. Maybe a little bit higher, sorry. Um, let's move on. Uh, Lamar, uh, I thought extended plays exceptionally well in the pocket. There was some Star Wars trash compactor um, pressure against Lamar, as I call it. A slowly compressing pocket, uh, <laughs> particularly from McCarry's uh, side. Uh, okay. he, he gave up some slow pressures in this game, slow death pressures. I... I, I, I Definitely link those with Stanley. And this is really a very positive thing about McCarry because it'll work well with Lamar to give up slow death pressures. He's he, he's very aware. He's got eyes in the back of his head, it seems sometimes, in terms of pressure coming from that blind side. Moves around the pocket very well. If he needs to zig and zag, he'll do both. Uh, it's not just he's not just a step up guy like a Flacco or other less mobile quarterbacks like to just step up and make a throw right off, off one step. Uh, he, he'll move around and he'll find space to, to make another throw. And McCarry's kind of the, some of the slow pressure he allowed in this game was, I thought, very positive. Yeah, I, I've heard you say that many times, too, where he just, you know, he just has a feel for his blind side. And it does work with Patrick McCarry because there wasn't, I mean, McCarry let some pressures through. But like you said, it's so slow and developing. It's not like, whoa, it's all of a sudden in your face. And so for left tackle number three, you know, you can work with that. You can work with that as you're still hoping that Ronnie Stanley can come back. Um, and we'll get into the offensive line play more, but obviously in pass protection, I thought they were, they were pretty darn good. I, I, I agree. I think that was the, that was the strength of the line in this game. Ample time and space, 10 of 34 plays in this game, 29%. Uh, that compared to about 27% for uh, uh, Tua. So both numbers, I, I'd say a little bit below average, but not drastically so. Low 30s, 30, 31, 32 might be normal. Uh, so, so about normal. No, no heroic effort from Lamar in terms of being absurdly good in terms of navigating a terrible pocket, but, uh, but still pretty good. Um, and, you know, what's most important, the offensive line, even though they were allowing a little bit of pressure, um, didn't allow a hit or a sack all day long. So no hits, no quarterback hits, no sacks. Um, quarterback hits in particular are where the hardest hits and biggest injury risks come for yep. Lamar. Yep. Uh, you know, you do not want to be throwing in one direction and get hit in the other direction. Right. Um, so uh, sacks, he's actually much better at. He's now taken two sacks still, two sacks only, 
on the year, right? You didn't have a sack today. I'm not there making was no, There were no sacks, no sacks against Miami. I'm trying to think back to... Um, two sacks for two yards, I think. Okay. Against the Jets, so so he hasn't taken a long sack yet this year, which is which is the point I'm making. Is very good. He's on on each of his previous two sacks, he made a decision to try and turn that into a run play, where an immobile quarterback probably would have thrown the ball away and not gotten sacked. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, no, I again, this this goes like you said, Lamar didn't have to play hero ball, Uh, and so with all this blitzing coming, um, you know, quick decisions and all that definitely helps, but. PFF put up the uh, the stat Lamar versus the Dolphins blitz. Blitz. So he was thirteen of sixteen against their definition of blitz uh-huh. uh, for two hundred thirteen yards, two touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating of one fifty eight point three. That'll do so it. So keep do bringing it. it. Keep bringing it. <laughs> you know, you have to find the next iteration of figuring him out because it seems to me that Lamar and the offense have figured out the the, the cover zero and the blitz. I, I've got to have a talk with PFF about that because that's a big difference. Normally we have a you know, difference of one play. It'll be methodology, something about who they consider a rusher and mm-hmm. under certain circumstances. But I've got 23, five plus, and they've got 16. That's a big enough difference that, that I need to investigate. Appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, did you, do you have his numbers in those 23 then? I do, but I have not aggregated them here. They're all, okay. they, they are all, uh, I can good. do it. But I, I'm, I'm assuming sorry. they're, they're good. Yes. The, the point is made from PFF for your numbers that he was good against the Blitz. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Appreciate it. So actually, you can almost subtract out the four man rushes and get there, but we won't take the time to do that here. But he yeah. was he was exceptional. Um, let's see. Made two mistakes really on the day. Actually, maybe three if you want to call it. The the misfired pass to Likely, which could have been a, a first down late, was unfortunate because he was set up to to throw. He didn't have to throw on the run. I like that. He could have taken his time and, and stuck a pass right in there to likely that I thought uh, uh, was a fairly easy throw missed. In the near pick six to Xavier Howard on the left side and the fumble near the goal line were uh, uh, obviously the third uh, big mistake of the day. I know PFF is defending their 66th grade, I think, of Lamar, <laughs> uh, which was kind of interesting. But uh, Lamar was not in the top five graded players. And I, I did look completely into the, the grades, but it, from what I understand, he had a lower grade than Kyle Hamilton. That's what I thought I saw out there, but I got to double check it. Apples and <laughs> so, oranges. I- <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, in some sense, I get it. You've got to ding him for the plays, but it's just, and that's, that is part of the problem. Part of the, I mean, I, I love analytics. I know you're an analytics guy, but that is part of it where it's just like, it's got to reflect more of like Lamar, you know, was the reason for 30, 31 points for the most part. So um, yeah, that, that was, that was funny to me on his mistake. So I do think that Lamar could clean up um, his quarterback sneaks. Uh, I feel like there was a Titans game where there was uh, a fumble on a quarterback sneak, if I'm remembering correctly. And it maybe it's just a matter of um, having more patience, right? Like letting it, letting the play develop. Like I feel like he took off a little too soon. His hand with the ball went right back into the center's but like the, the the exchange of the snap from center to quarterback seemed clean. It was more that he started to go. Um, so so I feel like Lamar has become a much more patient quarterback in lots of different ways. And maybe this is just the next step, uh, which I have no doubt he seems to be learning from everything else. But I mean, it's just so ironic that he's the best rushing rushing quarterback probably in the history of the league. 
but he's got to learn how to do these quarterback sneaks. <laughs> you know, where yeah. like you have Tom Brady, Tom Brady who can't run at all, but he can do a quarterback sneak. Or Joe Flacco could For, definitely in do particular. A, yeah. yeah, yeah, Joe Flacco could do a quarterback sneak. So that's just like his next iteration. And can Joe, Lamar Jackson do it? Absolutely. Um, and then in terms of the likely mishap, um, I'm curious. They asked John Harbaugh this, but they haven't asked Lamar yet. I wonder if that flag kind of threw him off a little bit. It looked like they were going to call yes. holding. Looked like he was and looking so, back. Right. He was looking back and kind of like, do you know what I mean? Like I likely, sh- yeah, you could say likely should have had it, but you could also say Lamar could have thrown a better ball because likely was wide open. Um, and to Lamar's credit though, he was escaping, but usually when he's escaping, he can throw that, he can throw that right on. So it did look like he was being, which just bothers me. Some of the refing in this, this game bothered me a little bit. Um, uh-huh. And so there was that. And then what did you see on Xavier and Howard? Like, it does seem like Lamar threw that pass to Bateman a few times. And then a savvy veteran like Howard just kind of finally was like, I see what you guys are doing and kind of baited it a little bit. Do you feel like Lamar made a bad decision on throwing it or what did, what, what could Lamar have done? Uh, Lamar's always in the end responsible for his decision-making on a throw like that. So you have to you have vision and decision-making, both of those things. So he's got to pick up on the cues from Howard, not, I mean, Bateman can't do it for him. And there's, sure. there's really nothing Bateman can do to impede the route to the ball on a play like that. There are, when a ball's thrown up, it's jump ball while Andrews sure. or whoever can rip away the interception, but, but, right. uh, there's nothing Bateman can do to prevent that interception. So it's all on Lamar. Okay. Well, we're nit- right. We're we're picking out we're his picking. flaws, yes. <laughs> but phenomenal, phenomenal game from Lamar. MVP level performance that just f- irks you as a watcher to just see that that goes down the drain. Uh, was such a phenomenal performance. Now we could talk about this more later, but I think I want to talk about it during the Lamar thing. Here is that the the mesh runs. Um, are right now, Lamar is, uh, did a good job pulling, obviously made some good runs himself, the p- primary one being the 79-yard run, uh, which he correctly anticipated how the defense was reacting to it. On the Hill run that went left, where Hill ran out of bounds and has been widely criticized for you know passing up a much larger gain, I, I actually, I've looked at the L22 from the end zone, and, and I think that it's, a, it's probably a 20-yard gain, but not a twenty-five, not a not a thirty to fifty-yard gain, and definitely not a touchdown. There's 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 defenses converging on Hill from right to left. I just I I don't think it was I don't think it was a touchdown. He would have had to do some a good additional juking. But the great point on that, and, and getting back to the mesh point now, is that he put the ball in the mesh point correctly, anticipated, and all three defenders who were in the backfield went after Lamar. Nobody went after Hill. Hill's <laughs> Hill's wide on on the outside. But that was the only such play. That I really felt like he 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 used his gravitational ability as a quarterback to really enhance the play of the running back, and obviously we're not talking about these stonewall runs that you know primarily Davis was just running into a brick wall, but Drake had a bunch of short runs, and and there was penetration against the run, and a lot of that or, or some of that is in, ineffectiveness and mesh point. The other point is that the Dolphins played very tight to the line of scrimmage, right. both in terms of the number in the box and what they wanted to do if it was a pass play, like they really have a, a you know a, some cover zero on them on almost every play, or not on every almost every play, but on a lot of plays that reduce the impact of the run game. So on the on the hill play, um, I'm I'm on the other side of it than you. I mean, listen, nobody can guarantee that it was going to be a house call, but um, you know, I'm just looking at 
the myriad reasons why the rush game isn't performing Mm -hmm. at this point. So in no way am I saying it's all Hill's fault or whatever, but on a play where it obviously you've called Lamar's number enough that, as you said, all the dolphins are biting on him. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. as an offensive coordinator, that's what you're trying to build towards is like, even if you're not quite sure you're going to be successful, you might not all the time, but every once in a while be like, but I'm building a trend so that I can hit this big play. And there were so many big plays based off of trends that, that that's, you know, valuable to, to, to recognize. And so to me, he had the red sea parted for him. (laughs) And now, now I can't guarantee that likely was going to hit. I think there was a slot corner that the way he was looking kind of pushed Hill to go outside a little bit more. But I think with 50 seconds and three timeouts, I'm taking I'm taking that lane. And whether I can take it to the house or not, fine. If it's 20, I'll take 20 because I need to see something out of this run game. And I think that Hill missed an opportunity to, to show that the running backs can, can, can do stuff without J.K. being back. Okay, absolutely no doubt about it. He missed an opportunity. Should have hit the hole. The timeouts and everything dictated the Ravens wanted a high-variance play. Bad play by Hill. All agreed. Uh, the, the question is whether that thing is worth 10 yards or 60 and and or 10 yards or whatever it was, the, the additional yards to being a touchdown there. And, and I think that, that this is a case where the vast majority of fans are overstating the likelihood of what it would be had he cut to the inside. There was an opportunity. There was more yards. He left yards on the table. But I think I've got better reasons for thinking it was it was 10 or 12 yards than for other people thinking it was a certain house call. It was it was a chance for one. That's what it was. And it, and it was, you know, if, if you got a chance in, in that situation, by all means, take it. Right. All right, let's move on here. Um, offensive line, not getting much. We'll talk about that a little later. Let's talk about scheme and results because this is some interesting okay. things happening with scheme here for the Ravens. Um, their extra inline players have exploded this year for the Ravens. Last year, they had a season high of 1.96 versus the Chargers. Now, what do I mean by an extra inline player? That's a tight end, a fullback, or a sixth offensive lineman. Somebody who's not a wide receiver and not a running back that you're using among your eligible receivers. Okay. Okay. So against the against the Jets, they were at an absurd 2.27 per per uh, play. Well. You know, you, you use a running back almost every play, so that really takes away a lot. It's you, you, the, the group that's giving up that is the wide receivers. You're playing with less wide receivers, and I thought, okay, it's the weather, it's the Jets, it's the first game. They're trying to get by. They've got some injuries at wide receiver. I kind of understand it. Perfect day. They used the wide receivers effectively against Miami, but 2.39. Now we're, we're up by 0.12. That is, by the way, that's a big jump. That's not a small jump, even though it seems like just a decimal point and that's not that not big. It's a big jump. Um, so they used an incredibly heavy personnel packages in this game and still had a great passing game, which is it's that much better, both in terms of the results for Lamar and his ability to pick apart a defense with only a couple of targets a lot of times, or and also for Roman in terms of providing a good scheme that could play very heavy and still play the very long game. Yeah. There were so many times like, as I'm watching the film going back and, you know, you pause it and you're looking at the um, alignments and the scheme and, and I'm just like, like so compact and in the middle. And even there were times where I think it was Duvernay was asked, was called upon to like, 
have a big block that he got blown up on. And I was like, well, that wasn't a good idea. Um, and then it was just like so frequently, you know, Bateman and one other guy. And that was it. That was all that was going out yes. on the routes. And, and I don't know if it was a function of um, knowing that these blitzes were going to be coming nonstop. And that was a function of also helping keep Lamar clean, having so many blockers in there. But to your point, like, I just, I'm told all the time on, on social media that you can't have an effective passing game like this. Like you have to, the zagging, <laughs> the zagging isn't going to work in the passing game and we'll have to see it over a long period of time. But in the first two weeks, the zagging is working. And part of it is that you're using these tight ends so much as slot guys or just in a non-traditional tight end role that the zagging for now is working. I, I think there's also a matter of some designation here. Andrews is a functional inline tight end. Uh, not not he's not a great blocker, but he's but he's above probably an above average blocker or an average blocker at least. Likely he's not a blocker at all. And I think we've seen that in two weeks. He's almost basically like a wide receiver when he's on the field. He does line up in line some, but uh, for sure. But that's that's the point of the strategy. Like yeah. if you take it from a take it take it above a scheme kind of thing. And you're talking now a strategy from an Eric DaCosta point of view of like, where am I going to spend money? You know, I'm going to spend money on tight ends that are functioning like wide receivers because that's much, that's less expensive. Completely agree. From, from a, from that standpoint, did a lot on wide receiver devaluation of wide receivers and, and the overvaluation of wide receivers this off season. And I completely agree that, that the Ravens have made, I think a very good choice to draft some wide receivers and and pay some tight ends and draft some right. tight ends as well and and they're going to do better in the long run in terms of uh, of having that be cheap. Of course, the tight end market has now exploded a little bit since Andrew signed his deal, which is nice to see. Well, then by then, yeah. once everybody starts going the tight end route, the, the Ravens will zag again and start paying wide receivers. Yeah, or, or create another position that would be wonderful. <laughs> right. So uh, back to the set and chip blockers. Twenty five set blockers on the day. Now a lot of that was Ricard, but there were others as well. Uh, one really notable guy, Hill. 11 pass blocks in this game. And he was very good. He didn't allow any pressures. Uh, he, he got in there. As far as I'm concerned, by the way, seeing him play this game, very clear to me of the guys on the roster right now, they have their third down guy. And that is one of the biggest revelations for this offense, I think, is that uh, even though Lamar does not really want a check down guy, need a check down guy per se, um, they need to figure out how to get Hill involved in the passing game as a receiver because of how valuable he's been as a pass blocker. The other guys are not doing it at the same level. Davis and Drake. Davis had two uh, eligible receiver blocks and Drake had one in this game. And I think Drake had the only two in the first game. So Hill's the only guy who's provided anything there. Uh, and he's very clearly the guy who uh, who I think needs to be the, the third down back going forward. I thought he was, like you said, very good at pass blocking. Um there were a couple of times where he was key. We've been talking about Lamar having to keep um, a clean uh, pocket. And with the blitz coming, you know, the offensive line can't take all the bodies. It's just a numbers game. But you left Hill back out there, and Hill was was very effective and took on blocks that allowed Lamar to, to get balls out. Um, so I thought he was very good. What are your thoughts on, as we're talking about, you know, the rotation of these guys – uh, Hill being, you said that Hill's like that third, third mm-hmm. down block or third down back. Um, I don't know if JK is going to be back this week. So let's say he's not back. Wh- how do you feel about, it feels like the Ravens are in a very much running back by committee 
mode right now, would will you use Hill more outside of third downs? Because as as I didn't like that Hill didn't you know take the lane I was just talking about. I think he missed that. But even with that, I feel like he's been more explosive than the other yes. guys. Would you would you bring would you give Hill more carries on first and second down? Yeah, he's much faster, and and I would definitely I, I would want that, and that really you're, we're moving to a Hill as the primary back when we do that. Um, what what I would say about the about the um, Davis situation is I don't think he's providing the Ravens very much right now, and I you know not as a, he's not a straight ahead power runner, even though he's got that bigger thicker build. Um, he, he doesn't give you speed to the outside and he hasn't proven anything as a blocker right now, but I think that's part of what they wanted was mesh point facility. And, you know, he'd played in offenses with that. Kenyon Drake certainly has played in offenses with that. Hill has looked, you know, from the one play, uh, looked seamless in terms of him holding the ball. The problem comes, of course, not when he holds the ball. The problem comes when Lamar pulls the ball to see if there's any problem. That's when fumbles can occur. And, uh, and he did a, you know, we don't know exactly where he is in this, but, but, I, but I was very happy with what we saw from Hill here. Screams out for a much bigger role. Uh, we saw Drake start this game and Davis kind of take a back seat, whereas Drake took a, a kind of a, Drake had a relatively, uh, I'm, I'm, I might be wrong about this. I'm trying to think if Drake or Davis had the few carries in the first game. Might've been Davis. But anyway, I, I think we're at a point where we're pr- the, the team should be pretty close to cutting Mike Davis when other running back options uh, come back and be more available. I think I think Drake is the one who stays and we see uh, uh, we see more of Hill, uh, who I think has played well and, and is, is he's he was playing special teams as well. So he's, he's not in any danger right now of getting cut, whereas that, there have been other times during his four years with the Ravens where he's been kind of close. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and to your point about Mike Davis, it was clear to me that given his body size, which makes sense to me that Greg Roman was trying to use him in these short yardage situations. Mm -hmm. And I do want to address this, but just because we're talking about Davis, I'll just address his part of it. He was used on second and one, no gain. Davis was used again uh, on second (laughs) and one, no gain. Um, He was used, where is this? I think there was yeah, we, one we know more. is that we, we know about it's, all the RM zeros and RM ones. Yeah, it's just like okay, well, and that's when I felt like Roman started using Lamar more in the short yardage situations, um, hoping to get some something out of him. But it was just like you you got this big body dude, and he couldn't do anything. And and you can also criticize the line obviously for not getting pushed, but you're a big dude. You put Gus Edwards back there with the same O line. I think Gus is converting those. Those and one plays. So I, I agree. He just hasn't shown anything up to this point. All right. Let's uh, – uh, one more – I guess there's one more point I wanted to make about this. This carries in this second game were split 21 for Hill, 18 for Davis, and 15 for Drake. So pretty even in terms of, of total carries. But by how that game progressed and the flow even of carries that went to Hill as you know the passing plays developed and whatnot, I think, we'll, I think we're going to clearly see – Hill will be the lead back this next week. Anyway, that would be my bold prediction if uh, if Dobbins is not back. I like it. If uh, but if Dobbins is back, well, even if Dobbins is back, you got to put him on a pitch count. So yeah. either way, give me more Hill. But Hill, I want him to hit those 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 running lanes. Hill is not. A, I mean, Dobbins is not a pure outside speed guy. Anyway, he's a good cutback guy, and Hill still provides you something that maybe you don't get with Dobbins. So, so I think they, they complement each other still very well. 
Um, Dobbins also hasn't been nearly the accomplished pass blocker that Hill showed to be in this game. So I think that he's he's he should he should have a spot even with Dobbins. It should be it should be they should be very complimentary. All right, so 1.69 wide receiver snaps per play in this game. By the way, the Ravens had the fewest 11 personnel snaps in the entire league in week one with only four. Four 11 personnel snaps. That is the most common personnel package used in the entire NFL, and the Ravens did it four times in week one. It was 7% of plays. The next fewest, I think, was Atlanta with 24 or 26% of plays. So just an absurdly low usage of wide receivers. And then this week, I don't have a number, but that 1.69 wide receivers per play is absurdly low. Yeah, yeah, it is. And again, I mean, we've talked about this already. I mean, it's it's a tight end centric passing game uh, and, and the Ravens are doing well with it. Um, I would say, I mean, I'm fine with the personnel. I mean, I'm fine with the usage as long as it's your, the number two efficient pass, pass game in the NFL right now. So there's not much to criticize, but I do see some fantasy people out there um, talking about the rotation of Bateman um, <laughs> and and uh, Roman and and the Ravens aren't don't don't care about fantasy. What they care about is those efficiency numbers. Um, but with how good Bateman has been, I'm always here for more 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 for him too. So um, in the little that they use wide receivers, I just want so much more. I just want Bateman out there. Whenever, yeah. whenever they have receivers out there, I, I, it's it's all Bateman. That's it's it. I think you get you get your wish because you know, hey, he's an ex receiver, and the Ravens don't have a lot of real options there. But but second of all, they, that uh, he's been clearly the number one receiver at this point, even though Duvernay's played well, uh, he's clearly number one. And next week, obviously, with Duvernay entering the concussion protocol, we don't we don't know what uh, what they'll be. And was there any clarity on that in, in stuff you saw today? And on which part? On the concussion protocol for Duvernay. I have not heard any. No, we won't. I don't think we'll hear anything. Nobody asked on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, usually no news today. Uh, I'm sure I would guess Harbaugh would be asked Wednesday and we'll see if he's practicing. Okay. Um, so I would think not till later this week, at least midweek to get any news on it. All right. Well, fair enough. I'll tell you what, we're going to come back for part two of this and uh, we'll still have Sarah on that. But Sarah, tell for folks where they can find you on Twitter one more time before we log off here. At SG Ellison, and the podcast is The Raven's Vault. Outstanding. Thanks for coming on, Sarah, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.